Coming up today, Pastor Ray Bentley comments on our need for Jesus. We cannot save ourselves with human effort and will and desire even. We don't have the ability. That's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus is called the Savior of the world. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Who could neglect so great a salvation? Amen. Spread news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Human nature, earthly common sense, they both tell us good things come to those who work hard for them. Not so the kingdom of God. The harder we work, the further away they seem. Today, Pastor Ray shows us the successful path as we study a familiar story in the Gospel of Luke. Let's listen. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. One of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And the title of the message is, Seek Ye First the Kingdom. So beginning in verse 19, it says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus being comforted there in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Please send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, then they will repent. But he said to him, if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. What a story. I noticed that I mentioned that it is a story. This is not a parable. Lazarus, who is there, who is poor, Israel as a nation had been in rebellion against God, uh, we know is sick. We know this because he was laid at the rich man's gate daily. And the only attention he got was from the dogs, little dogs that would come around. So here's this guy with a mansion. What's interesting is the rich man 
throughout his entire life could have easily, with all his wealth, helped this man who was a good man and a righteous man. And as we find out when he stands before God, goes into the comfort of Abraham, he was a man of faith. He would have been the kind of person you wanted to help. But instead, the rich man ignored him, went on enjoying his own riches. Life was comfortable for him, and this rich man felt secure. Because the rich man didn't realize that his wealth was a gift from God. And when God blesses you with wealth, you have a responsibility of blessing and sharing that with others. Well, now look with me in verse 22. So it was that the beggar died, and notice the beggar died first, and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he was buried. It doesn't mention anything about the poor guy being buried. We don't know if he was given a proper burial or not. He might have just been thrown into the ash heap or into the trash pile, as it were. But when he died, he went to paradise. He went to Abraham's bosom. The rich guy died, and he was buried in the earth and in the ground. No angels, there's no Abraham, there's no comfort, and there certainly isn't any paradise. In spite of the rich man's wealth, he died. And there are wealthy people who have the ability to fight aging and have surgeries and the best medicine and everything else, but you know what? They stretch it out, what, I don't know, maybe another 10 years or so, 15 if they get lucky, and then they die too. In spite of the rich man's wealth, he was buried, he was going to the grave where he could not take his wealth with him. Uh, You know, in the ancient times, they would bury all their treasures with them, and then 2,000 years later, they dig it up, and there's all their treasures. Wherever they went, they didn't take it with them. They just buried it in the ground, and all the remains is their bones and ashes. But when Lazarus dies, he goes to Abraham's bosom. What a glorious difference. How many of you would rather be in paradise, being comforted by Father Abraham, than where this guy went into the darkness? When is death? Death is the moment your spirit leaves your body. The real you, the real me is not this body. This is just the tent in which our spirit lives. The spirit is you. The spirit and the inside of you is what was made in the image and after the likeness of God. And that spirit is an eternal spirit. The question is not whether or not we will live eternally. The question is where we will live eternally, where we will spend eternity. When you die, that's when your spirit leaves your body. But the good news is that for believers, death is not the end of anything. It's merely the transition from one existence to another, from one world to another. But for the unbeliever, death means to be away from God's presence and actually, as we find here, in torment. Look with me in verses 23 through 31, and this gets to the heart of the story. Verse 23. The first thing it mentions about, we left off with Lazarus, he's with Abraham and all the Old Testament saints being comforted, but what happened to the rich guy? He's buried in verse 23, and being in torment in Hades, he lifted his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and he said to Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Wow. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. 
But now he is comforted for eternity. And you are tormented, I add, for eternity. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who even wanted to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass over to us. And then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. I've got five brothers that he may testify to them, witness to them, so that they don't come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. The first thing I notice in this final part, because we've looked at their difference in the brief earthly life. The rich guy lived very sumptuously, but shortly, briefly, <laughs> then he died. Lazarus had a horrible life, but then they both died. Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom. He goes to a place called paradise. The rich man goes to Hades, and the first word that is mentioned concerning him is he is tormented. And in fact, four times in this passage, it talks about torment. Hell is tormenting, and that means and signifies suffering. Four times this passage speaks of the torment and the pain of hell. It's the same word that is used for the doom feared by the evil spirits in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus cast them out, and they, they said, don't send us to that place of torment. Even evil spirits are afraid of the torment of being separated from the loving presence of God. One thing that is very interesting to me, and I never really thought about it or saw it until I was reading and studying this passage this week. The first time that we hear of this materialistic, humanist man praying, the first time that we know that he prayed was when he ended up in hell. Too late. Now I know that there are certainly people that you know haven't been through the Gospels or, or really read through the whole story of Jesus and his love or don't understand, and they'll say, how could a loving God send people to hell? And let me just say that, that my answer to that is, first of all, you do not understand yet the love of God. Because if you knew the love of God, that would not be your first question here. If you knew the story of the Gospel, if you knew Jesus, if you knew that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to be nailed to a cross, stripped naked, humiliated, beard plucked out, crown of thorns, beaten in his back with 39 lashes and with nails pinned to a tree and cursed, took our curse, he took our sin upon himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him and trust in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. God hasn't sent one person to hell. I say that on the authority of God's nature and character. God is love and God is light and God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't send one person to hell. They send themselves by rejecting his outstretched arms of love and grace and forgiveness. Oh, it breaks the heart of the Father. It breaks the heart of Jesus Christ. They not only do not understand the love and the depth of the love of God, they don't understand the severity and the torment of sin. And um, this rich man had his reward while he was on the earth. 
He chose his own destiny because he made a choice to leave God out of his life. And at a certain point, God gave him what he said he wanted his whole life. All right, I will leave you alone forever. You get what you want. Everybody that goes to hell. In fact, was it C.S. Lewis said that hell is locked on the inside. It's people who want to go there, choose to go there and refuse love, peace, joy, grace, and forgiveness. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was my pastor, and my heart hurt when I found out that he was gone from our presence. I know that he is greatly missed by so many. I always appreciated how he took time to talk to people. He was just so kind and full of love. I considered him not just my pastor, but my friend. And I'm thankful that this is not goodbye, as we will see him again in heaven someday. Listener comments are so encouraging. If you'd like to express your thoughts and tell us how these messages have impacted your life, would you take just 60 seconds and write an email? Send it to ray at raybentley.com or post it on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Being a Christian, what does it mean to be a Christian? A lot of people also think, oh man, now I've got to, it's some framework for being moral and trying to be good. Uh, no, that is not Christianity. Christianity is a living relationship with God as our Father. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ who saves us. And the, you know what he saves you from? He not only saves you from the world, he not only saves you from the bad people, you know, in many ways, who he saves you the most from? You. We cannot save ourselves with human effort and will and desire even. We don't have the ability. That's why we need a savior. That's why Jesus is called the savior of the world. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He saves us from ourselves from our own hurting of ourselves. He saves us from bad people. He saves us from our mistakes. He heals us. He forgives us. He gives us a fresh start. He says, I'll cause my spirit to come in you and we'll become one. And you'll be born again. And I will, if you let me into your life, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And even in the New Testament, it says, even if you're unfaithful to me, I will remain faithful for I cannot deny myself. What a great salvation. Who could neglect so great a salvation as the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? I, every time I hear the gospel, I wanna get saved again and again and again and again, it's so good. So this rich guy, he prays for himself first. Hey, I'm, I'm tormented. So he was selfish before he got to hell and he's selfish when he gets in hell and he remains selfish. But then the rich man prayed for his brothers. And uh, notice, I, I, again, and as a pastor for 30 years, I've heard this going back to high school when I accepted the Lord uh, and in high school sometimes I'd share with guys and they would mock. There were guys that you'd share with them or try to witness to them and they'd go, ah man, I'm going to hell. Yeah, I know I'm going to hell and I'm going with all my friends will be there. They're not gonna be in heaven and I wanna go to hell and party with my friends. Anybody ever heard that one? I'm not afraid of hell, I'll go to hell. And all my, well, it'll be like New Year's Eve every day, you know, on and on. Notice what the rich man said. The rich man did not say, wow, 
I'm glad to be here. Can't wait for my brothers to come join me so we can party for all of eternity. No. There's no friendships in hell. There's no partying going on in hell. It is a place of torment. And torment uh, comes from within. It's also a, a place of tremendous loneliness. And even in hell, the guy's thinking, oh my goodness, I'm lost for eternity, but I've got five brothers. Oh, I wish you would go back for them. And uh, I wonder if, while that guy was, you know, while Lazarus was at the gate, I wonder if that man had ever brought his five brothers right past Lazarus all the time. I wonder if Lazarus ever witnessed to them or said, praise be to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I worship him. Have mercy upon me. Could you share some crumbs? I don't know. And the guy says, you know, uh, please let them come back. And he goes, no, they've got Moses and the prophets. He goes, no, if somebody came back from the dead, then they would believe. And he goes, no, they wouldn't. I believe that Lazarus had witnessed to the rich man and so had the prophets, but he had refused to give up the control of his life. Very simply, this is what it means to be a Christian. Before you're a Christian, you are in, you are in control. You, you are in the driver's seat of your own life. And then you crash here and you crash there. Becoming a Christian, and I know this is a simplistic explanation, but it's got a lot of truth to it, is when you say, I'm taking my hands off the wheel because every time I move forward, I crash and burn. And Jesus, I want you to take over. I want you to take the reins of my life. I don't know, I don't even know whether to go forward, sideways, right, left, or back. I, I don't know what to do. I'm giving you total control of my life. And he forgives you of everything you've ever done. He makes you as white as snow, as white as wool. He doesn't just erase your past. He obliterates it. It's as if it never happened. It's, it's a cleanness and a purity and a freshness that you, there are no words to describe. You are literally born again and given eternal life. This man who was now in Hades could not change. When you get to hell, you don't change. Even if you wanted to, you can't, it's too late. You know how many times you get to die? Once. And then what happens? Judgment. You go one way or the other, heaven or to Hades. Mark chapter eight, verse 36. Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and then loses his own soul? But you know what? How much better to lose everything else? And some people have lost their gains over and over again. But to gain your soul and to gain life and to gain the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. If I could just close by sharing this. This is a unique story and we believe that um, Paradise at that time was a place somewhere in the center of the earth. Because when people died, like Abraham, he couldn't go to heaven yet, immediately. Why? Because the Messiah hadn't come. Jesus hadn't died with his blood shed on the cross. So they, apparently there were two compartments in the center of the earth. One was a place called Hades, where people were kind of a prison before you go to hell. And then the other side was paradise, where the people who believed went. And that's where Lazarus went. You know where uh, Jesus, when he died, he went into paradise and there he, he basically appeared to Abraham and all the Old Testament saints, one of which was a guy named Lazarus who had had a miserable 
but brief earthly life, but who loved the Lord. Can you imagine what that was like? You know, you say, well, what happened between when Jesus is crucified on Good Friday and, and then the resurrection on Easter morning? He was in paradise with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the Old Testament saints, because there was only the blood of animals, the lambs, and it only covered over their sins. It didn't really pay for them until Jesus came. But when Jesus came, as John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God that finally and forever takes away the sins of the world. Jesus went into that place called paradise and the gates were opened. And somewhere in the center of the earth, Jesus said the Messiah came. Well, they already had believed on him. Uh, Abraham was 2000 years before the Messiah. So he believed that one day the Messiah will come. And so his faith in the coming of the Messiah saved him just like you and I believe that he came 2000 years ago and are saved. And the middle point is the cross. And I want you to know this. Nobody, nobody has to go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And God is certainly not going to send you to hell. The only person that can send you to hell is you. And if you want to go to heaven, you can go to heaven. It's very simple. It's very easy. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will enter into them and I will sup with them, I will fellowship with them, we'll have a relationship, and I'll give them eternal life. I want you to know that God has been with you from, he knew you before you were formed in the womb. He's been with you, he's seen everything that's happened to you, he's seen all the you know, people that have done things and the mistakes you've made. It has not changed his opinion about you at all. He loves you so much more, he loves you more than your mom, he loves you more than your dad, or a brother, a sister, or husband, or wife. He loves you even more than you could love possibly yourself. There's no describing the intensity of the love. And he is so patient, he has waited. He never forces himself on anybody. In fact, it's, it's very easy to push him off and say, I don't want you in my life. And he gets hurt, but he waits. But he never leaves you. And your whole life, until your last final breath, he's standing, I believe, before every unbeliever, patiently, like a gentleman, knocking on the door of their heart, saying, I love you. I took your sins. I took your pain. I took your abuse. I took all that was heaped upon you on the cross. Please let me in. Let me take control. Let me love you. Let me heal you. Let me fill you. Let me give you joy. Let me give you peace. Let me give to you the place I've prepared an eternity with my Father. Let me in. You don't have to understand everything. All you have to understand is that I'm lost and I need a Savior and I want to go to heaven. Pastor Ray Bentley with the most important issue of life. And if you'd like to know more about what it means to be a Christian, let us invite you to go to our website, raybentley.com, and click About. Pastor Ray will help you learn more and help you make that change today. Again, go to raybentley.com. Now, today's study is titled, Seek Ye First the Kingdom. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo, three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge. 
and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.